You're listening to the PK Experience Podcast, where I tap into the minds of today's impact players. My name is Peter King. I'm the host of the show. My guest today is T.G. Thomas. T.G. is someone who helps coaches and consultants get maximum results with their organic and paid marketing efforts. He shows them how to get more clients from consultations and strategy calls. He does this in a process that he calls client conversion and the unselling system. He is a seven-figure sales expert, which means that he's helped lots of entrepreneurs achieve seven figures in sales, and he has personally produced over half a billion dollars in sales using his unselling system. He loves serving people who love to serve others, and he enjoys teaching how to get more clients using his integrity-based sales approach, and it was a real honor to speak with him. So let's get into the call. Here I am with T.G. Thomas. All right, I'm here with T.G. Thomas. T.G., how are you doing, man? I'm doing awesome. How about you, Peter? I'm doing great. Thank you. Um, T.G. and I got to know each other a little bit. What was that, a year and a half ago or so when um, we, we were clients in a membership program, a mentorship membership program and um, got to know each other a little bit there. And, and uh, there was, there was synergy. Like I just, you know, I really respect it and appreciate how you go about business and whatnot. So it's a pleasure to have you on the call, man. You bet. I, and I remember those times. It was great. And I remember I had such a profound respect for everything you were doing as well. So I'm glad we were able to reconnect. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you are a, a consultant, a coach that helps other business owners, uh, attract ideal clients and teaches them how to basically turn that into a, a very healthy lifestyle, very um, profitable lifestyle. Is that I probably didn't say that very eloquently. How do you answer that? When people <laughs> say, what do you do? Yeah. So uh, what I do is I actually, well, I, I can't help on that side. I, I show people how to have conversations uh, in terms of like, you know, strategy or consulting calls. Many times people that I consult with have, people that they're speaking with, but they're not getting enough people to say yes. So I'm really a heart-centered coach. I love teaching people and I love giving people an opportunity to spread their message and you know, to their audience, but for them to have a chance to get that client, they have to get that client to first say yes, right? Yes. So what I do is I show people how to just go from converting maybe one or maybe two out of the conversations they're having into clients to like five, six, seven, or eight people saying yes. So I just show people how to ethically on an integrity-based way with what I call unselling to get more people to say yes to their business or service that we have more people to serve. Love that. Um, How do you do that? So what I do is what I find is there's like a big, uh, I don't know what's the word, a perfect word to use for it, but there's a big uh, need. I mean, I put need in quotes there that coaches, consultants, and entrepreneur service providers have that they have to get leads. They just have to focus on getting leads in, right? And that's why people talk a lot about lead generation, sales funnels, and all these type of things to get leads in. And sometimes people just don't focus on the conversion side. I mean, you know as very well as I do, it's not the number of people you speak with that's gonna help you pay your bills. It's gonna be basically the number of people you get to say yes. So what I just do is I already, I just talk to people that are already having conversations and I just show them how to just change some of the things that they're saying, uh, establish themselves also as an expert with these conversations and really focus on that individual. So a lot of what I teach is how to create a customer or client centric conversation. Many times coaches and consultants love what they do and they want to help people but they end up just almost over talking and talking about the awesomeness of their program. And that is something that most people don't want to hear, right? Most people just want to hear how you're going to help them. Like what, what's in it for me, right? You, I'm sure you're familiar with the WIIFM, the radio station, right? What's in it for me? So, <laughs> so most people want to know, okay, that's awesome, but how are you going to help me? So there's a lot of people who have very good intentions, but the conversation sometimes is over very soon when their needs, I mean, really more their wants, their desires are not being met. So I just show uh, my clients really how to focus on that person and ask questions to really find out what they're really wanting, what those desires, dark desires are. And once they know that you're listening and you're going to be able to help them get from where they are to really where they want to be, amazingly, they're going to end up saying yes at the end. So a lot of what I teach is very natural. It's just that most people don't focus on it. And I just show people how to focus on those things. Um, how much of what you do is 
asking better questions versus um, finding the right person to ask the questions to in the first place? Like mm-hmm. how often do business owners, are they talking to the wrong audience, so to speak, or they're not narrowed enough or specific enough to the audience that they ought to be speaking to? Great question. Uh, great, great question. And I don't really get that question asked enough when I do these type of interviews. So I'm glad that you asked that because that is crucial. It's really crucial. In fact, that's part of what I teach. So what I, when I talk about having expert status, that's kind of what I teach because you're right. Cause sometimes you'll, you know, people maybe do a webinar, do a training, do a podcast, do a, a survey, a questionnaire, and then they send a right to a calendar with no qualifying part. And from that calendar booking to the time that they speak with that individual, there's no contact either. So somebody who was, was not qualified ends up on a call and that's not always going to be the best situation. So what I teach, I show people how to qualify better, right? Usually through some like a questionnaire or just sending them to some video training just to kind of get them into the right mindset before they actually book the appointment. Mm. And then uh, on the appointment, so, so that's to qualify. So you're absolutely right. You do need to qualify because otherwise you're going to be speaking with someone that it's most likely not going to be a target market because you haven't qualified them. And they may not have the financial resources to engage with you as well. So that's, that, that's a big part of it. And the other thing is the questions. You're right. So what I teach is I, I teach people how to detach from the outcome. Right? Don't worry about making money or all that kind of stuff. Just focus on that individual. Mm-hmm. And what I, sh- what I teach is how to, just talk to people like they're a friend, like they're a relative. So if I was, you know, a relative of yours and you came to me and go, TG, man, I've had some serious things that have happened in my life. If, and I'm not going to go, oh my gosh, Peter. So what do you think about the weather? You know, what do you think about the game next week or whatever? So you're not going to do that, but that's what people do on sales calls. They'll ask a question, they'll get an answer. And instead of digging a little bit deeper, as somebody who cares to getting to helping that person, they'll go on to another question. And once you show your future client that you're not going to listen to them, you're not hearing them, right? You may ask a question to hear the answer, but you're not really listening. They're going to just turn off. So it's not just about asking questions, it's asking questions with a purpose and going a little bit deeper. And I teach something called discovery sequences, which is how you can ask a question and go deeper within that question to really find out what they want. But the really important thing is they're going to find out more what they want as well, because sometimes people don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they really have no idea why they're there. You know, they may think that they need something, but when you dig deeper, you'll find out what their real, the reason is. Like somebody says they want to lose weight. Well, most people are, why do you want to lose weight? Well, what I want to get healthy, right? Because that may be a buzzword that they hear, but it be, could be more than that. It could be a life-threatening illness. It could be that they don't find themselves attractive and their self-esteem is getting hit. It could be that they want to go outside and play with their kids, but because of their weight, they're not able to go out and do that. So when you ask those type of questions, you're really going to get to the heart of why they're doing it. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. If you can take care of that, you're going to get the sale as opposed to not asking those questions and thinking I'm just selling a, a, a fitness program to this person. Mm-hmm. And that's not what it's about. It's a lot deeper most of the time. Do you help your clients get those conversations going in the first place? Or are you really picking it up after they're getting those leads and they're just struggling with the conversion? Yeah. So most of the time it's the second part. Uh, I typically work with, so I, I have a lot of training that's out, a lot, a lot of free training for people that are just starting out as well. So, uh, and, and the good thing about when you start out is you typically don't have any bad habits to unlearn, right? Because you're usually kind of starting out fresh. But most of the students that I, that I work with, the clients I deal with, are usually getting some sort of conversions, like, or they're maybe tapped out. They're like, man, I've got to 5K a month. I can't get past that. Or, I mean, I'm stuck at 10K. What can I do to increase that? So what I do is I usually take people that are have some sort of conversation, but they're doing it in not in the right order. They're not you know, they're getting more no's than yeses. And that's why I said a lot of times people think they have a leads problem because they're thinking, okay, well, I, I need to book all these calls. I'm only converting two, one or two. So I need to have more leads and I'm going to get better. And that's not the case. And usually if you get more leads and you're still doing 20% and you don't do anything to change it, you're still going to do 20%, right? Mm-hmm. So you're doing more in ad spend. You're spending more time on calls. So rather than that, I tell people, well, cut down your ad spend. And instead of converting two out of 10, let's get you to four or five or six out of 10. Yep. 
right? So that way you're getting more people to serve. So yeah, so what I, what I do specifically is, is help more of the people that are having those conversations fine tune it and where, they, where they're getting you know, more people to serve by converting more. Can you give me some specific examples on that? If, is there a case study that you can reference or um, like a dream testimonial client or whatever where um, you help them ask better questions or at least dig a little bit deeper like so that we can have something tangible to... Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I, I deal with a lot of different types of, you know, uh, coaches and consultants, a lot of, you know, people that are in, in you know, uh, funnels, like, you know, uh, setting up funnels for people, sales funnels, uh, people that do um, real estate, um, accounting, uh, book author coaches. Uh, really, if you have a strat strategic part where like a consultant called Strategical, I can help you. So I did have one gentleman that he was tell he told me before he started with me, he was closing at about 12%, literally about for every eight people he spoke with, that's what he did his stats. He was closing one, converting one. Mm -hmm. And he actually had an awesome product. So what he did was he was a fertility coach. <laughs> so he showed people how, who were having trouble having children, how to use a non-surgical approach to, you know, to doing, you know, different, there's different parts of it, right? And I don't know the exact things that he does, but he's been doing it for 20 years. And I forgot the exact stats, but it's something like when you go to a fertility doctor, you the chance of you having a child is like 60% or something. It's like six, it's over 50%. But using his strategies and his methods, it was like 77% over 20 years. So the guy had proof of concept, but he said, listen, I'm still having struggling. So what we did is we looked at what he was doing and he's a great guy, very down to earth. And, and what I teach is not to be salesy. Like you don't have to be gimmicky and use all these closing techniques. It's really just what I just share with you. So what he was doing, he was going and finding out what people were doing, where the problem was. And he starts selling on the features of his program. But I told him, listen, what you have to find out is why they're there. Mm -hmm. Why are people coming to you? They're not coming to you just because they can't have a child. There's a little bit more to it. So I asked them to find, you know, questions to dig deeper. So what we find out there's a lot of pressure that you have. I mean, you have obviously the pressure you want to be a child, but then you have family pressures. You know, people that want grandkids, right? Their, their parents want kids to have grandkids. It could be emotional things. It could be trauma. So he just started asking those questions to dig deeper. Can, and, can I ask you a, a nuanced question on that? Yes. Are you, when you say find out why people are coming to you, are you saying what is their their innate problem in their own words or it, what is their innate problem and therefore why did they choose you as a potential uh, solution provider to that problem? Yeah, we don't, yeah, it does make sense, but we don't even talk about him, that person. We don't talk about us at all. So there's nothing about that. It's all about really the, the question that kind of initiates it. So why did you request this call? Why did you do that? And then, asking questions about and then usually people say well we're just still trying to have you know some children then then we'll ask well, well why is it important now what's, what's going on can you share a little bit more about that and then they start opening up and here's the thing most people in these type of situations are not even heard there's typically a surface level question without getting depth mm -hmm. and what i teach is how to go a little bit deeper in those type of questions so since he started doing that uh, he said things have changed for him. And I, I got a testimonial somewhere where he told me he was closing at over 70% now. Wow. But just from doing that change, he went from doing one out of eight to doing seven out of every 10 calls he's doing is converted. Wow. And, and, and he's like a raving fan. Now. He wants to spread like he's just reached out recently saying, I want to spread what you're doing because more people need to know about this. Hmm. And, and the thing is, you know, he's, he was a good heart centered guy. He really wanted to help. And it was frustrating him why more people weren't saying yes. But really, I told him it's a lot of these things that people are coming to any coach for. There's a lot deeper. I mean, why does somebody want to make ten thousand a month of his business opportunity? Well, there's reasons behind it, right? There could be something deeper. They need to their kid may be going to college. Uh, they're you know uh, they have extra payments that are coming up for this. They're trying to aggressively pay off their student loans. There's something that's a little bit deeper that you can get to no matter what it is. Why does somebody want to write a book, right? Why does somebody want to start a podcast? Why do you want to do the things that they want to do? There's a deeper underlying reason. And once you get on that emotional level, and that's the thing about, the thing about selling is a lot of times people will make a decision 
and it's there's an emotion that's attached to it and if you don't find out what it is and you just keep it on surface level you become a commodity and when you become a commodity the reason they're going to choose you or b or c is just going to become in a price so when it comes to that it's typically whoever's the cheapest is going to make the most and he the guy that i told you about he's not cheap so he's got a you know a, a, a very comparable price to what the doctors would charge as well right so uh yeah so getting on that level really finding out what what that pain is or what the the pleasure they're seeking to it's going to make a big difference uh in your business mm. so once once you help a client bet, ask those better questions, go deeper so that they can better understand what the emotional driver is of their clients. What's the next step? In that, in that, on the call? Yeah. I mean, how, is that the primary thing that you're really extrapolating out and, and helping them have that better conversation? And then, and then you're coaching them on how to have those conversations more authentically, more, mm -hmm. uh, more effectively, more powerfully. I do, and the, but the the closing part I was smiling because it's it's. I mean, if you ever hear the closing conversation I have, it's typically very. It's nothing like any other people would have because a lot of times people say, you know, you sell to the close, get ready for objections, you got to overcome objections, and all these kind of things. And I really don't get a lot of objections. And I basically ask them, hey, you ready to become a client? And most people just say yes. Mm -hmm. Because the thing is, if you satisfy all of those things, so, so there's obviously more to it and we're not going to have enough time to get through because I teach <laughs> everything over a six week period of intensive training is I created something called the super six where I've taken all of my, cause I've personally done, you know, over half a billion dollars using this process over the last 20 years in doing high ticket yeah. sales. So I do exactly what I teach, but what I teach us better over six weeks of intensive training and once people leave that, they can start making money within those six weeks. But once they leave it, you know, I support them typically, you know, for a full year to make sure they, they grasped it. But after you discover is then when you present. So I, the way I teach is you connect, discover, present, and then close. So after that discovery phase, now you need to find a way to take what they just told you, where you've heard it and they've heard it, and you start connecting it to how you're service your business your program your service whatever is going to help them with all those things and once you make those connections then that's when people will start having those light bulbs go on and go oh my gosh I, this is this this all of these things that i'm looking for will be satisfied so when that's done little the end is just asking them to become a client hey listen the next step is to get you on as a client so we can start implementing these things in your life mm -hmm. And that's pretty much it. So the presenting is what would come after you find out what they need. Mm. Um, you, you're primarily working with um, coaches and consultants that offer high ticket um, services, right? Um, and so I'm curious just to go back maybe a little bit to that preliminary question that I had with you is how, how much of what you do is helping them uh, narrow in on that high ticket um, prospect in the first place. I've seen a lot of coaches who are, and I've made this mistake before too, where I'm, where I offer a service, it's high ticket, but it's, it's speaking to the wrong audience or it's in the wrong, um, you, you know, it, it's not, it's not solving the right problem. You know, mm -hmm. there's a completely different problem and a completely different language, you know, with somebody who's got the money to spend to, to, afford uh, a high ticket sale. Um, how often are you helping somebody with that? Is that, you know, maybe there's a way that you're doing it where you're not um, speaking to that client, but um, do you work with clients in solving that? So, I, so I have a pretty big network of people that help on the marketing side if they need that. I really like, I'm very super niche in what I do. So I don't do like, there's some people that say, Hey, I do everything from A to Z. And what I find in those type of programs, it's not that great. Yeah. It's like most people are really, really good marketers or super good at converting. I haven't found too many that can kind of do everything. I'm not sure if you're a, if you're a baseball fan or what type of, you know, sports you follow, but we, you know, you're always talking about the five tool guy in baseball yeah. or yeah. somebody can hit, feel, pitch, run and all those type of things. It's in the marketing space. I, I it's, it's really hard to find that. I typically find more of a football analogy, right? where you either have a good defense, right? There's not two-way players. 
well, at least not that many anymore since Dion retired, right? right. But back in the day, we had people that were two-way, but what they, even at that time wasn't that efficient. That they just didn't have that many great players. Mm-hmm. Now you have specialized you know, players for each position. So you have a defensive and a, an offense. And that's kind of the way I look at marketing and, and closing. So I, I do help people to narrow in once they have leads coming in the best way to tighten that up. So you end up speaking only to the most qualified people, but I don't handle the marketing side. So I don't spend a lot of time on, even though I understand Facebook ads and LinkedIn and those type of things, Mm -hmm. I don't focus on that. So, but most of my, but honestly, most of my clients don't have an issue. They, they, they know how to get leads in or they have somebody they don't get in leads in. They just have to change a little bit of their funnel Mm -hmm. to make sure that when they actually end up speaking to people, that they're qualified. How often does that, uh, does that mean that they need to actually change their service? Is maybe the problem that they thought that they were solving before, once they ask these deeper questions, it gets flushed out that, oh, wow, they're really saying something quite different. Maybe my membership program, my consulting, whatever, needs to have a completely different uh, focus. Um, does that happen often? Are, are your clients creating new content, new services for that? Yeah, I'm finding that the deliverable doesn't really change a whole lot. I mean, the, the back end really does not change a whole lot. It's typically on the marketing side. It's just the language, it's the messaging, mm-hmm. convey the right information. Um, but yeah, the back end really doesn't change a whole lot. But I do tell people to make sure that before you create all of this stuff in the back, that there's a market for it. Like so many people like to create I'm going to create this membership site. I'm going to write this book. I'm going to do all these things. And there may be nobody that wants any of that, right? Yeah. So people kind of do it backwards. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if you remember this name from back in the day, but there was this guy named Brad Richdale. Do you remember that name, Brad Richdale? I don't. So, so Brad, I mean, he started off with good intentions. He ended up, I think he had too much uh, stuff happen that he wasn't expecting that he went off the wrong side event. I, I, th- I think he's back on track now, but I know that there were some guys, this is like back in the eighties and nineties when the infomercials, right? So a lot of those guys were just, just saying what they wanted to do to get people to buy. I think he had really good intentions, uh, but w- the reason I'm bringing this, this example is what he did is what most, what a lot of marketers today do that are super successful. So what he did is he actually ran ads and uh, for some book, I think it was like $39. It was actually a package and it was how to, you know, uh, build a successful business or make a successful business. And he showed in the video, in the infomercial, these books and these videos, there was nothing in those books. The books were blank. There was not one word written. There was no videos that were done. And he did it as a test to see if there was a market for it. And he ended up, I think he made like $170 million eventually off of that front end that he sold. So he eventually started creating stuff after that. So I don't think anybody needs to go out there and do millions of dollars and ad spend and things like that. But it is important to find out if your market wants what you think that they need. Because a lot of times what you think they need is really not what they're desiring. So and, and, and that's a challenge for coaches because coaches and consultants, especially if they're passionate about what they do, they know they have the, you know, the, the ability to impact people's lives. And they, but they try to imprint all that on, on what they perceive people's needs are. Yes, so yes. the thing is you have to really kind of market and, and to what things that people want, which is different than a need. And usually when you fulfill though, you're going to give them what they need as well. Right. So a mm-hmm. lot of times the, the, the marketing before I get involved, can be a challenge because sometimes people just don't understand those the, how those two match up. Um, plus, the other thing is coaches. The other thing I find out when they're actually on these calls, the reason there's another reason that they're not getting people to say yes, and that's because they actually spend the strategy call on coaching. Mm-hmm. They actually, and we haven't talked about this yet, but they actually coach and give advice and tell people do this, this, and that, and your business is going to get better. And what happens is at the end of the conversation, when they're asking to become a client, they usually get a no because they want to go and implement all these goodies that you just gave them. Yeah. I tell people that this is more a mapping session. It's more a mapping session as opposed to a coaching call. It's called a strategy call for a reason, right? So you basically want to just get them because the only way you're truly going to serve them is to get them on as a client so you can properly do 
things over a period of time, right? Or get, give them access to your training, whatever it is. So that's, that's a big challenge. I will say that's a big challenge is getting people that love to serve to understand that and shut it off and, and, and really find a way to give them an overall outline of how they're going to be able to help them. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a question as you were saying that, and I, I forgot it as you were saying, <laughs> um, I, uh, how, like, how did you get into all of this? Where does, where does your motivation come from to get into helping people do this better? So I was introduced, I've been actually in sales for a really long time, actually most, <laughs> more than half my life. I was introduced to entrepreneurship really at an early age because my parents, and I live in Texas now, but I'm from back East and uh, in Philadelphia, my uh, parents had a, uh, a business. So I was introduced to entrepreneurship early. So I, I used to do things like, you know, have my own uh, newspaper route that I used to subcontract out to other kids. You know, so I, I've done a lot of different things when I was young. Then I got into selling and I loved it. I just was taught a lot of high pressure and I hated the high pressure. I, I just never read, it never resonated with me. You know, my philosophy has always been, if you are, if you don't want to, uh, I mean, if you don't want to be sold to, like the way that you sell, then you should probably change the way that you sell, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people that do high pressure would never want to be sold to in that same way, but they feel okay doing it. So I've always been somebody that's been looking at the customer experience and wanting to find ways to do that. So actually the, the, I would say the turning point in my life was, it's, it's very interesting. I graduated uh, from college in Philadelphia and I got into teaching. So I was a teacher for, actually I did this for 11 years. And I always tell people if I got paid a lot more money, I'd probably still be teaching. But it was almost like minimum wage is what I was making. It's really, really, and back then I guess it was okay, but it was, luckily I was, you know, single and, and, uh, and didn't have that many expenses. But it was, it was amazing because I was not a teacher where I stayed in one school. I actually went to different schools uh, and I taught math. And not just any old math. I taught algebra, calculus, high-level math. Wow. And if you can believe this, it was the fourth, fifth, and sixth graders. It was young kids. What? So, yeah. So it was a self-esteem program. So I worked mostly with disadvantaged kids, like the, a lot of inner-city kids. Wow. And uh, it was amazing how smart these kids were. But most traditional learning just kind of gave up on them. Well, we would, but here's the thing, the reason I'm tying this together is I used what was called the Socratic method of teaching, which means I could only ask questions. It was all discovery. We were not allowed to lecture. So we, we would have people monitoring us in class to make sure we didn't do this. So I just had to ask questions. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing, these discoveries that these kids came up with. I ended up teaching all the way through 12th grade using the same process. And then when I was in college, I was also a teaching assistant. And I used that process when I was working with, with college level kids too. So then I started saying, I started getting more appreciation for asking questions and, and really how deep you can go with them. So the early starting of the unselling process came years ago. I didn't have a name for it until I was older, but then I just started getting better at asking questions and just really getting to the heart of why people are in front of me. Like, what is the reason that they want to buy life insurance. So what's the reason they want to get, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, become part of this business or why they want to get this package or so I started just really getting the deep of it. And, um, you know, there was some good uh, sales people that I've seen around me. It's, it's rare that I found too much sales trainers around me that were doing exactly what I was doing, but I learned a lot from different people. And uh, yeah, that's kind of how it was all born. It started out from that, those teaching days and I just got a lot more uh, you know, uh, precise with my questions as, as the years grow to where I'm at now. Um, when you're training your clients to ask these better questions, how do you let them know when they've gotten the answer and that they need to not keep digging, if that makes sense? How do you, you know what I mean? Yeah. So the way that I share it, it's, it's really a, uh, it's, it's just a conversation. So it's kind of like when you're speaking to someone, how you know that conversation should be progressing and when it should be stopping. Mm -hmm. Um, So it really depends on what, so that's one of the things I teach about unselling framework is kind of how 
that is laid out. And actually from my clients, I've also, so, so I, what I do is I teach them how to develop what I call a signature talk, but I've also developed my own software. So I've got a software that I've developed that after they go through the training that it builds a script for them. So with their business. So I teach them how to do it. And I don't give it to them early because a lot of times people, you know, as well as I do, sometimes you realize I have to get shortcuts. Oh, I got my own script builder. So let me just use that and create my script. So I want them to understand what's behind it. But once they're done, they have a script that they can follow. Now, I'm not one that teaches people to read off of a script. It's more of an outline. But yeah, there is a ebb and flow that has to go because you're right, there has to be a way to move from one to another to another. Mm-hmm. But most strategy calls are typically you know, 30 to maybe 45 minutes. Sometimes it goes a little bit longer. Um, I also have clients that do high ticket. You know, like, I mean, I've personally sold over with $150,000 products uh, service more over the phone. So uh, on those type of calls, you need typically more touch points, right? You're usually not going to sell that in one. So on higher level clients that I have, um, I share a little bit more deeper how to do that. But for the average client, it's typically like five to 25,000. You know, we, there's ways to do that over the phone. Sometimes it'll take one, two, maybe even three calls. But what you just do is you take that outline and you sometimes just stretch it out over those conversations. Um, but yeah, it, it's very natural the way it's, it goes. So most people have no problem making that transition when they're on their call with their specific uh, business. The, for those high ticket sales, do you um, typically advise to collect all of that up front? Do you put people on payment programs? What's the best strategy for um, collecting on, on a high ticket like that? So usually I, I mean, I like to collect full payments. It's really what I do. Right? So uh, I'm not really big on uh, payments, but yeah, some people will have that as part of their model. Some people like to have continuity income coming in. So it really depends. Uh, usually when I consult with people, like they get, get me for one-on-one consulting, we go a little bit more deeper into that. Um, but a lot of times what it is is you don't actually get payments as you go. It's typically the, the best model. Again, we don't really have that much time to go super in depth into this, but what I would like, let's say that you have a $20,000 program. What I would typically say is sell a front end that's lower cost, maybe like $97 or $297. And part of that may have some coaching or having some where there's a live person interacting with them. And then, and to give value that you're not, so these aren't, so the way that I differ from a lot of guys that are out there is I teach people to actually teach coach and not just go for the juggler. In fact, I, I have several businesses and one of the businesses that I have is I have my own sales team. So clients come to me and they hire my team to sell for them. Well, if you want to work for me, I don't just give you a contract and agreement. I also have a separate ethics clause that I have all my employees and my staff sign. And that really is that if you are calling someone on a coaching call, it's you have to coach them. You have to give them value. You're not just there for the jugular. A lot of times people do, they do these coaching calls and it's just a veiled sales call, right? It's mm-hmm. just like, Hey, I'm going to do coaching, but you're just selling. Whereas the way that I teach my team and the way I teach my clients is make sure you get value. So if somebody does a 297 front front end, you know, and here's the truth about people. A lot of times people want you to do things for them. They want done for you. Most people want things done for them. They don't want to do things themselves. So usually if you have a product where you're going to give them guidance, you let them know this one needs what needs to be done. If you do it the right way at when the call is done, you can say, listen, you have the tools to do it yourself. But if you want, we have a program as well. Like we have an intensive, we have a couple of masterminds, you know, again, I'm oversimplifying it just for the time, but that's typically what happens. Then you make your offer. Okay. And at that time, if you built the value, you've done what you said you're going to do, most people are going to end up saying yes. That's the way that I found, you know, the way that I teach. And then, yeah, I usually go for full payment. But again, sometimes people, especially with the, you know, environment now, um, even if people have money, sometimes they want to hold on to a little bit. So uh, payment options may be viable. But mm-hmm. I always I always go in assuming people are going to pay in full. Mm-hmm. Um, so you mentioned uh, on these strategy calls, Does the prospect know that it's, you're calling it a strategy call, but for all intents and purposes, it's a sales call. Is that, would you agree with that or not necessarily? So that's why I call it a mapping call. It's a strategy. We're going to give you the strategy to get. So the, the key is getting people from 
and this is my own personal philosophy. So, I mean, people have different opinions, yeah. but yes, you're going to be making a pitch. And I think most people know that there's a pitch somewhere. Like what, why are people just giving away free coaching calls for no reason? Right. So I think in this day and age, people are primed that if there's some kind of strategy call it. Now I don't like high pressure calls. Like sometimes I'll want a service or I want to join a mastermind or whatever. And I know going in, I'm going to get a pitch. But if the, if it's just a blatant, blatant sales pitch the whole way through, forget it. I just turn off immediately. But if they're telling me what needs to be done, I'm okay with that because I know going in, I, I need to figure it out. Mm-hmm. I'll get calls where people will coach me and tell me everything I need to know. Or a lot of what I know them, I'm not really, there's no reason to buy their service. So I'm telling you all those things earlier is kind of what goes on. But yeah, so when somebody has a call with me, they know ahead of time, it's a mapping call. I basically let them know in all the questions. I said, I, I, in fact, I put this is not a coaching call. So I want people to know if they're gonna to talk to me that I am going to be able to help them. I know I can help them. I, there's nobody I, I'm gonna meet, I know I can't help them. So I know I'm gonna be able to help them, right? So, so they're, they're gonna get a pitch at the program, but I let them know. So what I do is I listen to what, they're, what they want and I want to tell them what, how my program's going. And that's the thing. You want to let them know how. They don't care about the features of your program. They care less about a membership site and group calls. How are you going to help me with this issue? Yeah. I, I can't close. I can't have conversations. I'm nervous. I'm scared. I don't like scripts. Well, okay, great. Well, let me show you how I'm going to help you with those things. And that's what I focus on. And then I let them know while you're in the training, this is how we're going to help you with this. This mm-hmm. is what we're going to do to help you with this. And then, so I do map it out for them. What's how I'm going to specifically help them. And then I get them in Kate. And so the, the thing is to me, it's a disservice to coach them on that call because they're not going to get enough information in 45 minutes to go and light the world on fire. Right. They need access to me, my, my membership area, my Facebook group, me person. They'll need all that. I mean, most people can figure it out within 90 days, but I let people work with me for a whole year. So again, I don't, I mean, I could charge super high fees and I don't, I would make it very reasonable because I believe in what I'm preaching. I, I want to change the world. I want, you know, to me, sales is beautiful, but sales sometimes has a bad name because of some, sometimes the way it's taught, right? The way uh, people say, you know, you got to be high pressure. There's no other option. No, there is definitely an option. So yeah. the thing is, uh, some people think you can't be a nice guy and sell, right? Like there's some big, pretty big names. I'll probably tell you one off, <laughs> off the podcast. I could probably name a couple Because <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble. But there's one guy that says you cannot be nice. You can't be nice and be a good salesperson. So I don't believe in that. But I do believe that you can't just be nice. You can't be just nice and think you're going to be a salesperson. So there's a little bit more to it. And that's what I teach. I teach people how to be nice and be approachable, be very professional, bless you, and get, uh, get people to say yes. So there, there's definitely a, a process to it. But yeah, I mean, strategy calls are typically going to end with an, you know, asking for service. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, what software and technology do you use to um, handle your client flow? So I use, honestly, I don't uh, do the tech. Uh, I've got a pretty amazing team that does a lot of tech side. My, I know my strength is selling and teaching other people to sell. I do know that we have ClickFunnels and lead pages is what we use for our front end. I use uh, Aweber and uh, what is that? The Infusionsoft to handle like my CRM. And then we connect a lot of things too. So we have Zapier, we use Zapier for a lot of our connections. Uh, we'd use Skype, Basecamp. Uh, what is the other one? Trello. It's not Trello. Slack. So we do Slack for a lot of our team communications. Um, I don't, you know, my, my team is trained. Uh, I have a sales manager that usually trains our sales team. And I've got an operations manager that handles a lot of the tech side. And then we have a lot of contractors and, you know, uh, VAs and things like that. Uh, I just focus really on the sales part of it, like just sales training. But that's, and then in terms of, and I have my own membership site. Uh, we set it up on, uh, it's, it's a WordPress based site, but we use like LearnDash, if you know what LearnDash is. Mm-hmm. LearnDash and a couple other like WooCommerce and all these other things to kind of connect. So literally what happens when people say they want to work with me, 
um, my team kind of gets a hold of them and gets some access to a membership portal, which really it's it's really good because we've come a long way. It's so much more streamlined. I've got a lot of products and I give a lot of extra training, a lot of extra bonuses within this. So they get a ton of value for being in there, but I don't want to leave them in there and think, hey, I'm just going to do it on my own. So I do have an inner circle group on Facebook and then I do a lot of the training myself. So they have direct access to me. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of softwares and things that we use, but at the end of the day, it's that um, they, they, for the deliverable, they get access to an inner circle on Facebook, the membership, and then I do weekly calls on Zoom. Zoom, yep. I forgot about Zoom. Yeah, Zoom, we use a lot of Zoom. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, you talked a minute ago about changing the world. What is, in what ways are you wanting to change the world? So, um, I mean, sales is what I believe I was put on the earth for, but to kind of add a lot of credibility to it and to, so uh, with the sales, I, I do have a couple of different business with sales. I also do corporate training. So I've got a separate company <clears throat> that does corporate sales training. What we're talking about more is what I do for B2C, which is for like coaches, consultants, service providers, and, you know, uh, individual do strategic or consultative type of selling. So uh, on the corporate side, I actually just work with actual, you know, executives and like we'll set up a training for their sales team. So for this, so, so that is, is great. I mean, I love doing that, but this is more my passion um, because I love working with hard, kind of heart-centered sellers. So I, am, I mean, I'm not looking to say change all the high-pressure people out there. I mean, there's, that's not really my market. If somebody wants to do that, then there's not a whole lot. Like, I mean, I've, you know, interact with those type of people. And a lot of times they just feel like they're, that what they're doing is right, which, you know, I'm not looking to impact those, at least in not this stage, this stage I'm looking more for people that really are wanting to serve and help more people, but they're just not getting that. They're not, their message is getting out because they're not converting anybody. They're converting one or two out of every 10 people I speak with. So my, my, my things, I want to get more people like I did with the gentleman I told you with the infertility. I had another guy that, in uh, Australia that was doing about 10% and he went through the program and he did, he's at 75% now. I've got another gentleman that was working with military veterans and just kind of helping them assimilate back into a business in real life. Uh, he just messaged me last month so that he did as much in two weeks after my training that he did in the fourth quarter of last year. Oh, wow. So, so that's the impact I want. I want to make work with those people that are already, you know, heart centered. They're looking to get out there and get their message across. They're just not um, to get them to kind of tighten up a little bit of what they're doing so they can serve more people. So that's mm -hmm. really what's driving me. I love that. Um, you mentioned a little bit ago about uh, doing research, right. And asking better questions and digging and finding out what, um, what your clients prospects are really needing and wanting. Um, and then we also talked about creating ads maybe first to, to see what people are even interested in doing. W what is the specific process that you go through to, to help your clients better understand what their prospects are needing and wanting? Are you surveying their existing customers? Do you set up a new funnel? Like, do you run ads to, to see what works and, and create more visibility there? What are you doing to help yeah. them get clarity? Yeah, that's a great question. So that's part of the connecting phase that I talk about. So the connecting is just not meeting them for the first time. It's a lot of what you do before. So I teach a lot about mindset and really, because the thing is, everybody is a salesperson, right? A lot of people don't like the sales part, but I always tell people, listen, if you're married, then you sold that person that you're good enough to be married to, right? If you get your kids to eat vegetables, you're selling them that they, what the benefits are, right? So the thing is a lot of people have a hard time channeling that salesperson, inner salesperson. So part of what I teach you connect is getting that right mindset, looking at yourself as a salesperson. Now to answer your question directly, yes, I have my, now my thing is it's, it gets great results but it's, it's work. And I tell people, it's not, you don't take a magic pill like, oh, I'm going to convert at 70%. Just no, these guys put in a lot of work. So part of my module, I teach them how to do research, like how to really get research on your market. And the other thing I say is go start looking. And now, you know, nowadays it's a little bit more challenging, but you can still get on the phone. But remember the sales conversations that you're on. 
when you go out to get a car, when you go out to buy a house or a computer or a mattress, whatever it is, how is that conversation going? What is it that turns you on about the person you're dealing with? What turns you off? And also record calls. Most people don't record calls because they're scared to death to do it. But when you do, you're going to find out, oh my goodness, I can't believe I was cutting this person off over and over again. And that's one of the biggest things we haven't even talked about today. Listening is really a lost art nowadays. And most people are just cutting people off. And when you cut people off, they, for me, I'm real big on that. If I'm talking to somebody and they cut me off, I almost shut off at that point. I really don't listen after that. Yep. And a lot of people are like that. They want to be heard. So if you're not listening, how are you going to be able to help them? And plus, if you're cutting me off now, well, why am I going to become your client? Because you're going to be cutting me off later as well. That's not going to change. So those type of things, I, I spend a lot of time uh, with, my, you know, uh, with my clients. Also, maybe doing a pilot program a beta program, it's some kind of test program, a challenge, something where you are engaging uh, with individuals and giving them a service and finding out what it is that they liked about it. So like when I started my corporate training, I just made friends with a lot of other, like almost competitors and not spying, I made friends. And I made friends with people in the sales industry and I said, listen, you got time for a quick 10 minute chat. And then I would get them on the phone and I would ask them, so what are some things that you find that is, is, is appealing to you? What's turned you off? You know, and then I would really have good conversations about, you know, buzzwords, things like that. And then I would test it. I would incorporate it and test it. So there is a lot of work you need to do. Well, I don't say a lot, but there is work you need to do beforehand. And the more you can really find out what it is that your market is wanting, then you can start crafting messages around that. Mm -hmm. And then it's going to become easier for you to deliver on that at the, at the end. But yes, research, you know, checking yourself out, seeing what your strengths, what your weaknesses are, what you need to get better at and really finding out as much about that market. Cause what you, what you, what they really want, it may be different what you, you think they want. That's what's mm -hmm. really important to get into their minds. Mm -hmm. Um, what are your rates just to get an idea as to what your services? I didn't hear what you said. What, what are your rates? Can you give me a ballpark idea as to what you charge for your services? I do. I don't really do one-on-one -on -one that much anymore because of my time. That's why I do a lot more group. I mean, if somebody wants to cons consult, I mean, I charge $2,000 for an hour, uh, which I don't really do that much. And I tell people don't even spend that because you're going to get more money out of my group trainings. So on my, uh, to access like, uh, the membership area, the Facebook group, and there's a lot of other bonuses and stuff. It's just, it's just 997. It's not even that expensive. It's 997 to get access to the super six training. And if they want to work with me, uh, where I do weekly intensives and training as well for 90 days, it's 5k. And then for the whole year, it's 8k. So it's very reasonable. It's not really, you know, crazy, but I used to charge uh, $40,000 for one day where uh, a company would fly out to Sugarland and I would literally redo their entire business in about a day and a day to a day and a half. And they'd usually bring two key members, but it was really intensive for me because it was like 40 K was a lot, but also for them, I was thinking, you know what? I was able to help them immensely really, but there's not everybody that can afford 40 K either. Right. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to just kind of take a, uh, find a way to get to uh, outreach more people. Mm -hmm. So yeah, right now it's, it's, it's just 5k for a 90 day intensive. And then, uh, and then, but they get to stay in the Facebook group and they get uh, lifetime access to the, uh, the software uh, membership area, all that stuff really for as long as they want. So it's, it's pretty, uh, yeah, most people tell me that the rates are a little bit lower than they would expect. But again, I'm, I love doing what I do. I've been blessed also to have other businesses that are able to you know, take care of a lot of stuff that we need. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. And, and I enjoy it. I really, I really love getting on these calls uh, because most people are super open to learning and wanting to get better at what they do. And plus they're passionate. They're super mm -hmm. passionate, so what uh to what degree is there accountability baked into that service so the way that we do this i do weekly we uh, within the training i actually have a lot of uh like there's accountability with each step that they do that they have to send, send in assignments and updates and things like that um and then within the group we uh basically i mean i 
do a lot of regular weekly calls uh, and Facebook lives, things within the group. And then on the, on the weekly calls, the calls we do on Fridays that are for the intensive, uh, they're very accountable because I really ask people where, where they've been, what they've done and what their bottlenecks are. So again, it's, it's a two-way street. So we really need people to want to buy in. Um, but the, but, but the, so, so the accountability part, they have to be doing things, right? But most people, really all people, I can't think of one person, everyone that does what I ask them to do get results. Mm-hmm. So it's really that simple. I tell people, if you want to get results, do these things. If you don't, then don't. I mean, I can't force people to do things, right? Sure. Um, but what I find is most people that have gone through this and invested, they are actually active with everything. Um, is there, is there, what's a more advanced level, uh, advice that you can give somebody to, to sell better, to, to close better? Um, obviously once you know what your prospects deeper motivations are, um, is there something that, that you can share that a lot of people miss or they don't give enough importance to that would help them achieve higher rates of conversion? Yeah. So there's a couple of things you can do. One is definitely assume people are going to say yes. You really want to have that. Be, be confident. Like when you ask for money, don't be like, well, okay. Uh, so that, uh, so this is what we're typically, you know, and then you kind of dance around it. When you dance yeah. around it, people are not going to be confident. They don't like when people dance around, they want to work. Think about it. You want to work with somebody who knows their stuff that feels confident about it. Right. So, and the other thing is it's not going to have like osmosis. I mean, they're not going to go, Peter, that was like the best 30 minutes I've ever had. I've got six credit cards in front of me. Let me just figure out which one I want to give you. That's not going to happen either. Yeah. So you have to ask for the money. So John, I, you know, Peter, I love this conversation. I'm ready to get you going. The next step if it's appropriate right now is to get you on as a client. So that way we can kind of get things going for you. So you want to be a feel confident, ask for the thing. And here's the other thing. Do not lose state. So we tell a lot of times people to hear the words being in state or having a certain state or the way that you are doing a presentation, whether you're on stage or on a call, do not be, uh, you know, customer focused, client focused, being super friendly, professional. And then at the end, when they say no, or I've got to think about it, go, oh my gosh, are you sure? Oh, I'm going to be able to help you so much. There's so much you know, awesomeness here. Let me show you, are you, did you hear what I said? How about I break it up into eight payments for you? You know, you just lose that, that, that state and they listen to, they, this is something you may think that when you ask for it, it's over, it's a longer conversation than that, right? It's, it's a longer conversation. So here's what I teach people, stay focused, do not ex- expect anything. Don't, even though you want them to say yes, or expecting that yes, they may say no. Mm-hmm. So expect that no. So one of the biggest, and I'll give this uh, as a little kind of almost like a freebie because usually I don't, it's hard for me to go through this in a little, uh, uh, on a short call, but one of the biggest objections, I I don't have the money. So if you ask people, they'll tell you that's one of the biggest objections that you get. Now, I don't really get that a whole lot. I used to get it at one stage because what I do is I build in value and I take away objections. That's the other thing I teach people is how to take objections out of your sales conversation. So when you ask for the money, there's really almost nothing to say. But mm-hmm. as you're learning the unselling process, sometimes you're going to get it. So here's the thing. When someone says, I don't have the money, or you know what, Peter, I can't, I, I can't budget it at this time, or I don't know how I can do this. So again, don't lose state. What I do is I, I ask the same question pretty much every time. It's, it's, well, Peter, let me ask you this. If you had the money, is this something you would do right now? Is this program something you'd be a part of? Would you want us to help you? If you had the money, would you want us to help you with A, B, C, and D? I don't say A, B, and C, and D, but I'll say all the things that, whether they're hot buttons, or I'll, I'll resell it back to them or retell them. Uh-huh. And here's where most salespeople lose it because a lot of times they will ask that question. Like a lot of people ask, and I don't say a lot, but there are people that ask that question. And that most people are going to say yes. Oh, Peter, absolutely. If I had the money, I'd do it in a heartbeat. And then what happens is most people will start going into, well, listen, you're, I, I know this can help you, this blah, blah, blah. And they go on another phase of it. What I do is when someone says yes, I ask why. Why would you though? Or, or why though? I mean, you said, you said that with such conviction, why? 
And what I'm doing is I want them to start selling me on why they're going to do it. Mm-hmm. So the best salesperson in when there's a conversation with two people is going to be that person, right? They're going to look at you as trying to sell them, but what if they're selling themselves? And then once they tell me, oh my gosh, Peter, I love everything about the program. I love this. I love that. I love that. And then I'll say, listen, it sounds like this is something you really want to do. I can appreciate that money may be something that you're thinking about, but let's, how do you think you can overcome that? How do you think you can get over that hump so we can get you on as a client? And I always put things back on them and I want them to kind of let me know how they're going to do it. A lot of times there is a veil, you know, that may be hiding the fact of something else. It could be something else they're not sure about. So that's why I tell people that it's, there's that the conversation is very important, how you build in a lot of, you know, the objections within the conversation. So at the end, when they see the value that you provide, they're just going to end up saying yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate that. Thank you. you What's that? I said, you bet. Oh, I thought, okay. I thought you were saying something else. Um, how has sales changed since the COVID pandemic stuff? Are you seeing any changes? Has business increased? Has it tapered off? Is there a new, have you shifted your message at all? What, what changes have you made um, and or are you advising with your clients? So I am, I, I am seeing a little bit of uh, uncertainty in some people, and, but, but it's kind of what I just share with you is you have to kind of prepare. You have to know what's going on around. You have to know what's going on with the market, uh, not like the stock market, but that specific market to find out where they're at and what things that they may say. So again, I've done the research. I, 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 so if I'm dealing with somebody, I kind of know what's going on. And the, the, the thing that I'm selling people on right now is that they have to think ahead of the curve. Many people are acting from fear, yes. which is Corona's going on. I better hold off and not spend anything until things get better. And then there's an honesty to it too. Like eventually we're going to find, figure this out, right? We're going to figure it out. That's what we've done as civilization for, I don't know how many thousands of people figure it out. Right? right. But if people think that it's going to go back to the status quo, the normal, uh, it's that that's not going to happen for some time. So you have to ask yourself, Peter, do you want, you want to wait that out and hope things happen or do you want to think ahead of it at the curve and make something happen right now? So I can understand that you have some fear, but let's work on these things that you show me that you need to work on because if you do that, we're going to get you ahead. Does that make sense? So I focus a lot on that. So I haven't seen a whole lot. Uh, initially I did, there was a lot of fear. Like I had people say, man, we have this much money. I don't want to spend anything else because I don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, the thing is they reached out to you for a reason, right? There's a reason you're on the call. And that's what you have to keep reminding these individuals. Because a lot of times people, when the fear takes over, you don't want that fear to be the decision maker. You have to go back and figure out why were we here? I mean, what's going to change? Peter, what's going to change? If you don't do this now, what's going to change? Because I know you're saying you, you wanted me to call back next week. But let's be real about that. Is that really going to happen? Is that really going to happen? Or just, you know... You're saying that, which is, which is okay. I mean, I, I, mean, I get it, I, I, but let's go back and look and see what it was that got you excited in the first mm-hmm. place or mm-hmm. why we had this call. And I always go back to that. And then, and then again, if, if the, the fear is going to be natural, but if you, if you build in a lot of these preemptive kind of strikes during your call and you, you know, if you talk about other clients, you just do a little bit forward, you know, uh, uh, pacing, to kind of uh, future pacing, excuse me, that lets them see what it, what can happen if they make that action now. A lot of those uh, issues can be dealt with. But again, mm-hmm. it comes back to the right market, uh, you know, because if you're looking, you if you're trying to sell a service and people don't have the money, or they're not the right market, they're going to want to hold on to it. Right? They're, they're, they need it for survival. Mm-hmm. But if you're wanting to, you're talking to a business or a company that's got discretionary funds or that are making money and they can use your service to get them to scale or whatever they want to do. Yeah, they may be a little bit of nervous, but if they have the money and you sell them on it, you can still get them to say, yes, there's a lot of companies that are making money during this crisis. There's a lot of them. Uh, e-commerce, I mean, you know, there's a lot of coaching and consulting companies that are still continue to thrive because businesses have not just shut down. Now, restaurants may have shut down, right? There may be service establishments, but there's a lot of business that's going, that moved online. They're using, you know, Zoom, they're using uh, Microsoft, I forgot the thing called Teams. They have all these different ways of still conducting business now, right? So you don't assume that 
people are going to say no because of the crisis. Always how you frame it. Yeah. Uh, great response to that. I am curious to know um, what is, how do you want to be remembered? And I don't mean, you know, post this life per se, but when somebody interacts with your business um, in what, like what are the top three adjectives you want somebody to use to describe working with you? That's a good, that's a great question. I don't, I don't know the last time I was asked that. So I, I definitely don't want to be, I, I don't want to be looked at as a conformist. Uh, it's easy for me to kind of go along with the crowd and get them to, you know, hey, I'm just like, I'll just do sales. I get away. Everybody else does it or, you know, whatever. So what I teach is really, like I said, it's not for everyone. It's for a certain type of person. But the way I would like, like you said to have my students, <clears throat> tell me one more time, what was that? How do you, yeah, want- how, how do you want your clients? What, what three adjectives do you want your clients to use to describe an engagement with you an interaction with you, a service with you? So I want it to be uh, like heart center. Like I want them to be knowing that it's going to be still, they're going to be able to be heart centered, hold on to their core values. I use it in a lot of my messaging that show people how to hold on to your core values and still get people to say yes, mm-hmm. that it was uh, effective. That was an effective process that went through, but also like a transformative life-changing experience. And that's what I, I get a lot of unsolicited trans, uh, testimonies because of that. They just tell me, oh my gosh, I didn't know that I can do, I didn't know I had this in me. Mm-hmm. I had no idea I had this in me. And now I'm pretty much the same person, but I've changed a few things that I'm doing in the right order and I'm consistent. I'm not coaching uh, on the strategy call. So I've, you know, a lot of people, I would say transformative, I guess, Mm -hmm. transformation, you know, heart centered uh, and efficient, effective. Those are the type of things that I let my clients have already been telling me once they go through it. I love that. Are, have you done uh, have you done any research on you know Jungian psychology and uh, archetypes and hero's journey and things of that nature? Is that well? Yeah, well, hero's journey. I have. I mean, I, I'm married to a psychologist, so I go through, <laughs> I try to go through some uh, underlying part of that each each day each day. But in terms of a specific study, no, I, I haven't gone through any of that. I'm more. Uh, I know there's a lot of guys, and that's what differs from you on the corporate side as well. Cause we have some huge guys out there that I'm sometimes pitting against and I'm not going against those guys, but I know a lot of times they deal with charts, flow charts, uh, that type of scientific type of, you know, background. But a lot of the things that I find that they're doing are, are also archaic. It seems like they're <laughs> teaching things like from 50 years ago and I'm more hands-on and I probably should get a little more of the science part. I'm, one of those guys just go out there and do it and i use those as my results um i do have there's some stats obviously that that i know about and use but most but the hero's journey is huge i do talk about the in fact i was, I was teaching my son about the hero's journey mm-hmm. I was, i'm teaching how to be a better content writer so i was teaching about storyboarding how to create stories from you know you know the storyboard right when people like uh make movies and stuff they do storyboards yes. So I taught him how to use storyboarding to write stories, and I, and I specifically talked about the hero's journey. So uh, that is something that it's it's huge. It's huge for marketing and also on the selling side. But in terms of like the Jungian stuff and all that, I'm not too deep into all that. Yeah, no, I was curious from uh, from that marketing standpoint and and sales standpoint and and understanding. Um, I've had. Um, had some people on the podcast where they talked about brand and better understanding yourself. And you're talking right. about mindset. And to me, there's, there's a component there um, with the archetypes that is um, illuminating to help somebody better understand the gift that they bring to the table and, and how they can confidently sell that right. uh, and, and or better understanding the archetypes of their, their customers as well. So anyway, I was just curious if that was, no, that, that, that's a great point. I, I do have a training that I do uh, that talks about the six buyer types. So like analytical and all that. And, and so, so I do have a separate training on that, but it's, it's not, there is some, it's more based on the personality and really how to talk to those individuals as opposed to the background. But those type of studies, archetype, yeah, I totally agree. I have tons of marketer friends that do all of that and story branding, storytelling. It's just a huge, huge part of that. Yeah. And, and everyone, and everyone has a story. I mean, everyone definitely has a story. The thing is there's a proper time to tell it. And that's why it's important. You really don't want to do that too much on the strategy call. 
So yes. we don't, but usually on the after time, you know, there's some things you can build in branding wise, marketing side. Absolutely. There's, that's the time you should be bringing that in. Yeah. And a proper way to tell it. And a lot of times I find that people don't value their story uh, or, or perhaps they value the wrong part of it when there's something else that's entirely uh, way more intriguing or more uh, connected to the pain point that their customers are dealing with. And um, so anyway, um, I, agree. I totally agree with that. Yeah. We could probably do another whole hour on that alone. <laughs> um, but we are wrapping up a little bit on time. Uh, for those that are interested in talking to you a little bit more, where can they go? What's the best way to get a hold of you? So really the best way is uh, I, I have a lot of, a lot of different assets out there, but the way that they can kind of find out a little bit more about what I'm sharing is I've got one website called it's unselling.net unselling.net. If they go there, they can actually kind of see a lot of the numbers and stats that kind of back up what I was talking about, especially on the conversion side. And if they go through it and they like it and they want to actually chat with me uh, just so I can kind of talk about how I can bring unselling into their business. Mm -hmm. And there's a way to do that. It's right on, it's right on that same page. So that, that would probably be the best, but I would say it's just, they go to unselling.net um, and they can, get a little find out more than they'll actually chat with me if they like as well. Awesome. Perfect. Well, I appreciate you brother. And, and, and I love, uh, I love what you're doing. I think given the whole uh, economy and where things are going right now, heart centered is going to be the most profitable path. Um, and in some ways I'm grateful for that. Um, sorry, it took a pandemic to, to get to that for some folks, but, but I do honestly believe that it's um, I, I think it was the most profitable way prior to, but it, I think when it comes down to, uh, you know, people's buying decisions, they want to really feel that the other person has their best interest at heart and, and heart centered path to me is, is, uh, is the powerful one. So anyway, I, I appreciate what you're doing and uh, looking forward to learning more from you in the future. Sounds good. It's great. I'll be right, on, on the podcast. Take care. Good deal. Bye.